0: I'm Marcela Lewin and this is the Contentful Creators Podcast, Season 1, Episode 6, so let's get to it. Hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 6 of the Contentful Creators Podcast, where I have conversations with content architects, designers, developers, and other creators who use the Contentful content platform and related technologies to create web experiences. I'm your host, Marcelo Lewin, a content creator, developer, project manager, and a certified Contentful professional. Today, I'm having a conversation with Raul Salido, a solution delivery manager based in San Francisco at Contentful. Raul and I will be chatting all about content modeling and specifically some best practices we should all follow. But before we get started, if you want more podcast episodes, tutorials, webinars, and blog articles, all focused on creating web experiences using Contentful and related technologies, please visit www.contentfulcreators.com. All right, Raul, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here.
0: I'm glad to have you here. Before we jump in and talk all about content modeling, which is a passion for me and I know for you as well, I'd like to learn a little bit about your background. Tell us how you got to where you're at today. I believe originally you're from Mexico. Tell us a little bit about that as well.
1: Yeah, of course. So yeah, I'm from Mexico. I grew up there and I came to the States for college. And in terms of my career, so I guess I can start my background in development. I've done that for most of it, but I went to school for advertising and design. So that's the type of of work that I did when I started. But then, you know, I fell in love with technology. It's always been a part of my life. So I think it was bound to happen that I would end up working for technology companies. So I taught myself how to code. I loved it, I got hooked on it. And as I said, I started developing for around eight years. I'm talking about mainly CMS, websites and solutions, also some APIs or web applications. And then I've also been a huge fan of structure, of strategy, and project management. You mentioned that on your profile as well, so I totally agree with you. And my role evolved more towards development leadership and then moved a little bit towards consulting. And again, I identified a lot with that part of it because of my strategic background, I think, because I'm a people person, I like to meet new people and interact with different groups. So that evolved my role into consulting. And then I moved to San Francisco around a year ago and I'm super fortunate to be able to work for a company like Contentful because it's a product that I've been following for some time and I'm H fan. So yeah, that's kind of the gist of who I am as a as a professional.
0: So you're like at the intersection of technology and business, right? Which is my passion as well, because it's not just coding and it's not just all about strategy, but it's the blend of both and how do you use technology to bring change, right?
1: Absolutely. And something that I forgot to mention, so I also went into this part of my career where I wanted to own my business and just do the whole end-to-end experience. I did that for around two years as well. And yeah, you totally nailed it when you said, what drives me? Because that was something that I wanted to experience, Just also not just the coding aspect of it, but the business side and how to strategize to meet business goals or any sort of goal, not just attached to money. Right, right, exactly,
0: definitely. What was your technology stack that you coded in?
1: So given that I've done a lot of CMS work, it's been primarily PHP, and then always been a fan of JavaScript. And I'm going to sort of date myself here, but you know, when CMSs were big, the legacy kind, jQuery was huge, right? So that was the sort of bridge that I took towards JavaScript. And I loved it because of how interactive it made web experiences. So then I became really keen and interested towards javascript frameworks and you know i played with react and the popular ones back when it started angular but i will say that to this date my favorite javascript framework is Vue, Vue.js, and the applications that are built with it like the nux framework as well i'm a huge fan
0: very cool maybe we'll invite you to do a webinar on view and contentful absolutely all right we got you recorded here you cannot back out now <laughs> <laughs> You got me. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Well, let's get started with content modeling. I know this is all about best practices, but let's start with some of the basics just to bring people up to speed. And we'll do that rather quickly. And then we'll jump into sort of the best practices, but let's just start with the basics. What is content modeling for those that are brand new to this?
1: Sure. I guess that's a broad topic, right? But in my mind, content modeling is the definition of content, the organization of content and the relationships maybe that are a part of content. So. If I bring it to like a basic concept, I would say it's the blueprint of content. And in terms of relationships, the taxonomies that are a part of this model. So that's my take on it.
0: I love the analogy of the blueprint because it truly is that, right? It's taking a piece of paper that means nothing and then created a blueprint out of that that can actually bring meaning to it, right? So then you can do stuff with it.
1: Oh, absolutely. And the big thing here is in content modeling, and no matter what the technology is, in this case, Contentful. In content modeling, everyone starts at the same place, right? Everyone is at the start line. It takes a lot of effort and strategy. And the most important part is doing it right. And that's absolutely the most challenging because you can continue to build content models and move a certain way. Maybe it's not the the best way possible. So it it takes a lot of self-critique and constant, constant iteration. I find it quite unusual to see My customers get it right the first time, unless we're giving them a lot of enablement that we're giving a lot of help. But um, it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard concept to, to grasp not only to grasp, but to execute.
0: What do you feel makes it hard for people to grasp? Because I agree with you that there are many times when I've spoken to people, I'm like, no, you're not getting it. You're not understanding how we're supposed to break this apart and bring it to its core pieces so then you can rebuild it into a cohesive document that then you can do stuff with. I think people in general find it hard to grasp that concept. What do you feel, because you deal with a lot of customers constantly, what is it that you feel is that hard part to grasp?
1: Mm-hmm. because it's so open-ended as I said everyone starts at the same place so there are no guardrails when you start so that's a big challenge and you need to be capable of the task at hand but also just the amount of risk that it entails because you know you can push to go a certain way but you can have some oversights if, in terms of contentful and you bring it towards the reality that we're talking about you know building something that is highly technical and maybe you didn't realize that your actual content editors were not technical at all and pushing that way and building it what feels right as a technical person, building it in a sense that speaks to your way of editing content or your way of creating content. And I realized that in the, at the end of the day, people who are going to interact with this are non technical at all. So that's the big pitfall that I see commonly. And that's something that I take special care of, making my customers aware that, It's highly important to bring these people who are going to interact with content in a constant basis to the conversation, get their input, get their strategies, or at least validate it with them. Because that's a big pitfall that I see. And it's a simple fix, right? Just include the people who will be involved in the end and take their advice.
0: Do you find that sometimes people tend to think of design as part of that content modeling Because, you know, people are visual, right? And they go, well, we just need to duplicate how this looks inside or how this looks as a content model when really we're supposed to completely separate right? that design, the look and feel from the content model. Do you feel that that could be also part of the issue with people, you know, not fully grasping the idea of content modeling?
1: Yeah, that could be part of it. It's one of them for sure. You know, there's many different scenarios that are necessarily not positive for content modeling, but I totally see that happening. Yeah. Again, it's a rule of thumb, honestly, look at it. Like when you're modeling content, look at it through the glass of your editor. How is this going to be perceived by them? And you know, there's not necessarily, it's not a binary thing. It's not right or wrong. It also depends on who's that class, who's a part of that class. Because if it's a highly technical person or someone who likes to have control over the design, then you're doing the right thing, right? You're catering to their needs, but it's, the key here is to identify that.
0: Makes a lot of sense. So let's talk about structured and unstructured content. Can you give an example of each?
1: Sure. So in my mind, it's quite a simple difference, right? Unstructured content. So let's think about an example. Let's just say it's this news articles. An unstructured way of grouping news articles would be in the sense of maybe a text version of them or maybe a PDF version of them and an image with text. So, they all serve the same purpose, but they're built in different ways. So going back to that blueprint conversation, where there's no real blueprint that they all follow and translated that into a structure manner, that's where a CMS could come into play. You define that blueprint and you you specify this is the title of the news article, this is the description of the news article, this is the body, and then this is the image of the news article. So there's an absolute structure to what this news content will look like and will behave like and that ripples not only in the content experience and the organization experience for people who are identifying these pieces of content and placing them in a repository in a database but that ripples all the way to the user experience because structure also relates to design so if you have a structure set of content in this case a news article then the design of it can also have cohesion and look a certain way you know it, it can go full circle so I think it's really important to take that into account with, specifically for content, because the rippling effects that it has over the whole experience. Sure.
0: So can we say that structured content is self-describing,
1: whereas unstructured, it's not, I guess. That would be it. That's a way simpler response, and I should have said that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's okay. I just want to make sure I'm understanding it correctly. So let's jump into some of these best practices, and I'm going to just throw a bunch of different, not totally related questions so the audience is aware of that, but I just want to get some good tips. So why don't we start with an unstructured document, and we go into a room and we start structuring it, right, breaking it apart into its Mm -hmm. core pieces. The question is, what is the best practice where you know you don't take it too far, right, where you break it down into so many little objects that it becomes a nightmare to maintain itself. What's that balance? So when do you know that you got it right? Yeah, basically, see, that's better. Now you shortened my version of it. Perfect. (laughs) Yes. Basically, when do you know that, yeah, this is the right amount, right? You didn't break it apart way too much where it becomes a nightmare later to
1: maintain. Yeah, that's also, that's an interesting question and a tough one to answer. I think it's also not binary. It's not either this or something else. It's always a matter of, the strategy, I mean, going back to what I was saying in the beginning of this conversation, you know, I'm a fan of strategy and structure, I guess. So in my experience and when I talk to customers, I actually do get something similar to what you're asking me. And my answer is let's, let's dive into your, your specific use case. Why are you trying to achieve again? Who is your end user who will come here and edit this constantly? And what's their level of comfort with the tool and with the relationships between this content? So it it takes a lot of understanding of who will be creating this content because CMSs are you know admins and structures and tools for for content editors to create multiple versions of any sort of content. So it all comes down to identifying what they are trying to achieve. And in a case where you know someone or in the case of like my content is minimal, then you wouldn't encounter that issue. But if you have an admin continuity form that's 100 fields, then I would say there's probably some sort of opportunity there to take a, a pragmatic approach and find reusability and reduce the amount of these fields. But again, I guess my short answer is it all depends on the situation and it takes a lot of time to identify this and put in the work to get it right.
0: Yeah, I agree with you completely. I think you nailed it basically when you said is if there's basically a need to structure it even more and break it apart even more if there's a purpose for that do it but if you're just doing it to do it then perhaps make it simpler right like you mentioned if it's a minimal document it's a news article that has a title and a body and an image you know don't make it a title a body an image and the body break it into four other objects right that would be overdoing it
1: yeah i think something really important is a uh, rule of thumb be pragmatic right can this be done in in one step Instead of in three steps, then go for the shorter option. Yeah,
0: I completely agree. The only thing I do want to say with the caveat on that is also keep an eye out or keep a mindful eye about the future, the things that you don't know, right? Because one of the things when we've started doing our content model is we knew what we wanted to do today, but we don't know what we want to do tomorrow. So we wanted to build a content model that could scale for tomorrow with the unknowns.
1: I totally get it. And I agree. And I see this constantly. So yeah, building for scale is something else that is struggle for everyone. One thing, because you don't know what you don't know, right? You're building what's in front of you, but it's also something that should be a part of your strategy to, as you're building things, you know, check the box for what's happening right now. But in the back of your mind, as you're creating these solutions, have that thought of how will this scale? How will this look? if I grow it? Is it capable of doing that or am I putting myself in a corner when I'm doing this? And if you are putting yourself in a corner, then there's probably something there's underlying there that you can change and build it in a different way. Maybe there's more of a reusability pattern that you can opt for. So yeah, I would say pragmatism and then building for skill are two strategies that I recommend constantly. So explain the
0: difference between content, layout, design, and context. What is the difference between all those four? And then also, more importantly, what belongs in Contentful or for that matter
1: in any CMS and what doesn't? So content, well, I see that as a substance, as, as the matter, right? It, what feeds everything. Layout, I would say, I mean, that's quite self-explanatory. It's the framework, it's the order of the content. Design as well, I would say it's it's quite self-explanatory. The visual is the look of the content. And then context I think we're going back to the blueprint conversation. That's the definition. And the I also like to put it in the matter of like the physics, right? This is how it's going to work, and these are the rules it's bound to. In terms of Contentful, I would say context is the configuration, so content types, most likely, content entries, and then these could be, and we haven't talked about this, but in Contentful, I'm sure you're aware of, but we have this concept of topics and assemblies, right? So I see content as entries, whether they're topics or assemblies. But if we move into layout, then that belongs in the assemblies box. And we can talk a little bit more about that. We have time. But then finalizing this, I think design, that's kind of a tough one because I would say design could fall into part of the context. So part of like the configuration or the fields that are a part of the content types. That's my take, what do you think? I get close.
0: Sure. I think you got it pretty close. When I think of design, I think of the look and feel. And in my personal opinion, all of that should never be in your contentful, right? That should be dictated by your code and your CSS style sheets and you know working with your designer and all of that. That's just my take on it. And then the context, I think you hit it also. I didn't think about the way you explained it, which is fantastic. I was thinking also mostly of the where it's going to be delivered, whether it's the context meaning desktop browser or a mobile device or virtual reality, you know, the actual delivery context. I like that. So yeah. Okay, cool. So we have a pretty good idea. I do have also, for me, I don't know, I guess I'm trying to be a purist. For me, Contentful and any other headless CMS should only hold, to me, in my opinion, raw content, right? Layout very minimal. And really when we mean layout, and we'll talk about assemblies because we'll jump into that. But to me, assemblies, especially the flexible assemblies, It just basically is describing the order of how that's going to appear on the page, not really the layout of, is it going to be on the right or on the left or on the top or on the bottom? That's always going to be dictated by your code. It's really the order of how you want that displayed. And then your code displays the layout. What's Do you agree, disagree with that?
1: For the most part, I think I agree. Just going back to like my thought on the design concept, I think we're aligned on that as well. What I mean is being able to control it in a matter of like configuration. So I do think that Contentful is good f- to give a content editors the ability to choose layouts in the sense of, should this go to the left or to the right? But they are doing that in a sense of a toggle, right? Choosing the radio button. Yeah, got it. Yeah, a configuration, yeah. And then, yeah, I constantly opt to tell my clients that they shouldn't bring, you know, the proper CSS into Contentful or any sort right. of... Right, that's what of, I meant uh, by that, yep. Yeah. So I totally I'm aligned with you on that
0: one. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm aligned with you too. Yeah, I totally get that because we've done some configurations, right, as well, where either maybe this shouldn't show on the mobile version, the context, that's part of the context. That's why I think context sometimes can be long in Contentful as well, but as a configuration, right, where you can say, look, this field, I really don't want it to appear in mobile, but it's okay for it to appear in the desktop so that you can put some of that context in there. So I think we're both completely aligned. yeah let's talk about single source of truth when it comes to content. Define that and why is that important in content modeling and how is that represented in Contentful?
1: So this is actually something that I've discussed with some of my customers recently. Are you familiar with the term cope? C-O-P-E? I'm not. So it means create ones published everywhere?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm sure you heard it before i've heard it
0: like that i haven't heard it as the acronym so thank you
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's like have you heard of coping you're like okay yeah so cope create once publish everywhere so that's something that obviously contentful is highly advocating towards individually myself as well because you know when i solution with customers and when people ask me about the biggest takeaway of using technology like contentful well that's what it's basically meant for, right? You want to have a single source of truth. You want to create one time and have it ripple through your different channels or your different types of content. And when I say channels, you know, it applies to some customers. And I go through this as well. Some of my customers, they tell me, Raul, like we don't have a mobile application. We are only on web. We don't have an internet of things. Well, you know, create once, publish everywhere. It's not necessarily only for channels. It does apply for that and is really powerful for omni experiences. But also within your website, if you have, you know, a set of a library of components, then you also want to make sure that your design system and your components can intake these different types of content from one single social truth, instead of having to replicate it for every different sort of a variation that you have. So I think it's a really good concept that should be followed by everyone who's pushing content, no matter if, if you're not omni-channel. And if you are, obviously that's highly relevant for you, but Yeah, I mean, it's just reusability applies to small, simple solutions as well. So whether you're building a simple web application or you have a contentful space that's powering an app, a web app, a native app, a billboard, then... The same principle applies.
0: Definitely. And I think a good example would be like a blog author. You want a single source of truth for that blog author, so that way you can reuse the author in multiple places. And then if you update any information about that author, everywhere else it's updated as well.
1: Yep, and we're going back to the concept of reusability, which is something that we mentioned here, right? Your example is a great choice because, yeah, something like an author that could appear simple, Well, you don't want to type that name throughout your content models. You want to have one source of truth and be able to just reference it and change it at one time will ripple the effect across the board. And and it becomes a better experience for your content editors and it becomes a way better experience for the developers as well.
0: And how is single source of truth implemented within Contentful itself?
1: It's in the shape of, of the content modeling. You create content types that belong to that specific, like in this case, an author, right? You could create a content type for author and you can reference that author in any of the other type of content types that you have throughout your experience. So in a blog or in a case study, in a testimonial, et cetera.
0: So it's just a content type that is being used almost like a field type, right? Or you create a field that references that content.
1: Yep. Throughout your other models, you can create a reference field and you can do it one to one, which means only one instance of that field, or you can do one to many. Again, self-explanatory is many Reference within that field. Definitely.
0: Do you have any tips for people that are brainstorming a content model, right? So prior to even creating it in Contentful, do you have any tips that, you know, how people should go about that?
1: You know, before you jump into Contentful, your content model should be existing in some sort of or shape or form. So whether it's sitting down in a notebook and mapping it out in a diagram using some of the digital technology that are out there, like I was going to say Draw.io, but now it's called diagrams.net, I think. Using something like that or lucid chart or anything that'll allow you to build diagrams and create these relationships between your content and taking your designs. If you have mockups or wireframes, splitting them up, finding similarities between them, whiteboarding them. You know, when I used to develop sites, I would whiteboard the different components. I would look at similarities between them and try to find these relationships, and if I found similarities, then map them as a single component that could feed multiple versions of it, going back to that strategy of being pragmatic and finding reusability within your content models. So, yeah, I mean, it's flexible, right? But the time before you jump into Contentful should be spent really strategizing and figuring it out so then when you jump into it, you're ready to execute and not discover, because that'll make, I think, the process, it'll make the process a little heavier and burdensome. For a content creator yeah
0: definitely and ask questions ask a lot of questions and ask why many times
1: <laughs> oh yeah why do we need this who's going to use this i think they say you have to ask at least three times why right <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you want to again go and ask questions of who's using this what's the glass like you mentioned in the glass right the glass looking at through the glass of the editor putting yourself in their place and defining if this is a good approach if it's comfortable for you as a Whatever you're a developer or a content strategist or is it meant to be comfortable for the content editor who will be using this on a daily basis
0: definitely it's interesting because we went through a brainstorming session for those of you listening way in the future when COVID-19 is done and over with and we're all not quarantined anymore Everybody's quarantined right now, and we had to whiteboard while quarantined to create a new model and found this great app called, well, I didn't find it. My work uses it and they recommended it. It's called Miro and it was wonderful. I don't know. Have you used it? Yeah. For its mind mapping, right? It's like Google Docs for whiteboarding
1: mm-hmm, and post it notes. I love it. We use it for our workshops. Yeah. Or do you? Yeah. Huge fan. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. We touched upon a little about scalable content. We mentioned that multiple times, but what tips do you have for creating scalable content? I mean, how do you go about that? That's a cool word to say, but the implementation of it, what tips do you have?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, (laughs) but if you want to build for scale, I tend to suggest you focus on two things, finding patterns between your content. So. If you have, let's just say, I'm gonna bring it to a kind of like a tactical approach. So if you have your mockups and you have this component that has tabs and within those tabs, it has content. And then within that same mockup, you have another component that has accordion, but it has similarities in the sense that there's labels on both of them. There is sub labels on both of them and then content within those. So finding those patterns and finding opportunities where you can bring them together and build for reusability, that's a huge, huge focus that I recommend. And then again, making sure that you're building for the right audience. If you're building for highly technical stakeholders, then it would scale perfectly with them and they'll love the tool and they will give you great feedback and it will grow as they provide you that feedback. But if you're building for non-technical audiences and you give them a technical solution that that is not going to scale accordingly in their end, they will be pushed back and you will have to go back to the drawing board one or plenty of times. And I see that uh, happen constantly, so... I would say those two things, look at your end users and keep them involved in the process and and build for reusability.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the things that we did, for example, for SEO, we could have Put in like, uh, SEO fields and multiple content types that we have. But instead of doing that, we ended up creating an SEO content type itself that became a reference to all these other content types because we don't know if in the future we want to add like Facebook SEO stuff or Twitter SEO, you know, met all this metadata and what we could do in the future later on is just enhance that SEO object with more fields and then all the other objects will inherit all those new fields. So that way it becomes easier to scale this model than to go into five or six different content types and keep adding fields to it.
1: Absolutely. We're touching again on single source of truth there and reusability. And it's a tricky process. There's no linear path to get to that ideal state of your content model, but it just takes a lot of iteration. You know, you're not going to get to the end of it initially. You need to iterate it and continue to grow it as Other variables are in existence. And yeah, I mean, always be highly strategic and thinking about ways to improve it and to be pragmatic. I keep mentioning that word, but it's highly on my mind because in terms of content modeling, it's really important to bring things to their essence, right? And find ways to share them and to surface these common patterns.
0: Definitely, yep, for sure. So when should somebody use a reference field over a list, a select field? And let me clarify that for the audience. What I mean by a list in Contentful, right? We can create a short text field, make it a list with some values that they have to select it as a pull-down menu. We could do that. What's the difference between doing that and let's say having an author field, an author content type that has entries Why do one over the other? That's a good question. So I think essentially I see using references
1: as a taxonomy when you want to create connections between rich content, right? So let's just take that example. You're mentioning an author. So in the case that the author would have a name, a biography, maybe a screenshot, like a headshot of them, some other sort of data attached to them, then I would say opt for a reference because then you create a content type for author and then you have another content type for article, and you can relate them and use them. You can create a bridge between them, a link, and query them and build your layouts in that sense and have this rich content come through within your article. But if you're talking about something that's simpler, so keeping it in the domain of article, maybe tags, right? Just a string of text, something that most likely won't have its own page with other sort of rich uh, content displayed in it, then you can opt to tie it towards a list field, which essentially it's a short text field type within Contentful, and you can just query by adding a filter that matches that pattern of the string. I think I identified that difference, and, and that fork in the road went to go to each or the other.
0: Yeah, definitely, and I'd like to add also, I think a huge difference that I found on my end is one is a reference where the other one holds a value. It's a big thing because in a reference, we can just update that reference, and everywhere else it's updated. But in the list, which is just a value, is if you messed up in one place and you need to change that list, it won't be updated in all the other places because it's holding the value of that list, correct?
1: Yep, absolutely. It comes with a risk. The simplicity of it for a list comes with that risk of not having, again, a single source of truth.
0: Right. So the value versus the reference. Very cool. So you guys offer Boolean, and I have to admit, I haven't used the Boolean type yet, (laughs) So this is a question <laughs> i for me. But give me some good examples of when to use a Boolean type. I can't figure out a true, false, yes, no kind of configuration yet. I'm sure maybe in the future I will.
1: I mean, yeah, you're not alone. I am also yet to find a really good case where I can opt for a Boolean. But it's a simple field, right? It's a zero or a one. It's a true or a false. I think it all depends on your, your strategy because if you're creating configuration within your content types and you want to attach some sort of behavior like, I don't know, Display the or add as a featured like a feature article, right? Uh, you can opt for the boolean and say, do you want to display this as featured? Question mark, and then it's yes or no. But then you could also achieve this by other sort of configurations. You can you create a text field and then configure it so it's a checkbox. So then you know true becomes check, false becomes un- unchecked. So. I think it's one of those fields that serve a purpose, like a really simple purpose. But yeah, I haven't seen a scenario where customers absolutely leverage it. I actually, I went through this with a customer of mine recently, what they wanted to achieve this sort of behavior that I'm explaining to you. And because they also wanted to have some sort of default functionality, they wanted to always be yes, instead of offering them the option to either be yes or no. So I opted to suggest that they do that secondary approach that I mentioned, doing a checkbox instead of a boolean. So it's yeah, it's one of those fields that I'm sure has a purpose, but Right.
0: We just have to figure it out. <laughs>
1: I hope I don't get into trouble because of this,
0: but <laughs> Well, no, you don't. I mean I mean obviously it's good to have the option, but yeah, I haven't found a use for it yet.
1: But that doesn't mean
0: there's there's not gonna be one.
1: The Boolean field is interesting too because it is a zero or one, but it can also be leveraged. So if you go into the configuration of the Boolean, you can change what yes means and what no means in your content editing experience. So I feel like there is some flexibility there that it can be used for some scenarios. But yeah, it's just not a really popular one, in my opinion.
0: Right, totally. All right, so here's a controversial one. Rich text fields or long text fields with Markdown? I have opinions, but I'll hear your opinion, and then I'm pretty sure we align on the opinion. Go for it.
1: Yeah, so there's some history here because, so when Contentful started, we were Markdown only. And, you know, Markdown is amazing. It's a really cool syntax that allows you to type in a certain way really quickly. And then eventually that turns into HTML, right? It can turn into a heading. It can turn into a code tag and so on. So I feel like that that was really powerful for developers. And if you look back at like GitHub or any sort of a Git-based tool, they all have readmes and, and these readmes are written in Markdown. So it's a highly popular language for developer audiences. So Contentful started with that and we still see it in the, with a lot of customers who opt to go that way. But the world of the CMS is ruled by, you know, the WYSIWYG and giving editor teams control over control and flexibility over the style and the appearance of editorial content. So our solution for that was the rich text editor, which is a variation of the WYSIWYG. As you know, there is no code tab in it. There is no strict styling rules that can be applied or flexibility in that sense. You can get creative. You can leverage content types and entries to achieve some sort of configuration that that influences appearance. But it's meant to to be able to provide highly editorial teams the flexibility of bringing some sort of styling into their content without having to type Markdown and then also it's highly powerful because it allows you to bring your content model into it with in the form of you know inline entry references or actual entry references to bring other components within that editorial content i like rich text more than i like markdown because i see the power that it offers and going back to the conversation of scale but i think they both serve their own purpose and they cater to different audiences what are your thoughts Which
0: one do you like? So I'm going to end up agreeing 100% with you. Rich text fields is all the way to go. I personally don't think there's going to be a reason why to use a long text field with Markdown. And I'll explain why. First, I was completely against rich text fields, and here's why. I'm like, no, I'm not going to put a rich text field that generates HTML and mixes HTML in there until, of course, I looked at the JSON. And the JSON output, there is no layout, there's no design code in there right there's no html it's all json and then it's up to the development side with css to be able to say oh this is bolded but this is how bold should look this is italic well this is how italic should look on the code even though they see it in one way in the rich text field so i love what you guys did which you you brought that rich text field experience to the author but on the development side In fact, I wrote a whole article where I really dig into it and show people what the output is from a JSON perspective. It is completely JSON objects that allow you to completely customize that look and feel, and you still have raw content, raw information, right? which is one of my core things, right? purist being, I want raw information, I don't want to mix design. So I love the rich text field. I think it's great because, for example, I can add information in the rich text field and then have Alexa read it, right? And not have to worry about any kind of HTML in there or markdown content I have to remove, because all I do is just focus on the content that the JSON provides me.
1: Absolutely. And that's something that we encourage, and it's the, basically the value proposition of the rich text editor. And sometimes it has pushback from teams because they expect the WYSIWYG, right? They want to put a P tag in there. But right, right. It, Yeah, yeah it, it takes some, some education, It does take some change management. Even if you're not building for a multi-channel, like an omni-channel experience, a web, native, etc., you want to keep your HTML in the sense separate because whatever you want to use that component, that piece of content in a gallery component and also use it in a card component and maybe just on a small thumbnail, then... The, the HTML shouldn't be there. If you bring divs into the mix, then that's a nightmare for developers. So I think taking a little bit of time to for some teams to love it and adjust to it instantly and see the value, but people who come from the legacy CMS world have a little bit of pushback.
0: Right. They want to put the P and all that kind of stuff. Right. And that's I think that's the hardest thing for people. I mean that I've experienced even with our team that they're so used to like putting design with their content that it's it's a hard habit to break. Mm-hmm. You know, but definitely I'm 100% with you, aligned where rich text fields is the way to go. All right, we spoke a lot about reference fields. Now, the cool thing with reference fields is you can add other references inside those fields and you can go as deep as you want to. But we're talking here about best practices. What is the recommended best practice for the depth of reference fields you should have?
1: In terms of limit, it's my understanding that within Contentful, you can go 10 levels deep within your content model. Obviously, that's a hard limit. You can go beyond that. but I would say the sweet spot is like half of that, you know, five levels deep um, in terms of referencing content. If you're going way beyond that and there is a valid use case for it, then, you know, it's a matter of identifying that and approving if it's worthy going beyond that. But If not, then there's ways to simplify it and pivot that user experience to make it more efficient. Definitely.
0: Yeah, because that affects also the authoring experience, right? I mean, if you have 10 levels of references, I mean, they're going to keep opening window on top of window on top of window.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we're doing some work. Our product team is focusing a lot this year on the content and experience, and we're launching features that make more streamlined and enjoyable for content editors. But yeah, I would say it's a matter of going back and looking your strategy, whether or not it makes sense to have 10 levels in there or not. Obviously, that's a limit, but I would say split it in half and reassess.
0: (laughs) Anything you can share between just you and me, I won't tell anybody.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is just going to air (laughs) for you and me. 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 That's it. Yeah. So, you know, we're working a lot on on this concept of content releases, being able to embargo content together and content that is referenced within each other to be able to maybe build a, a marketing campaign and push it all together or build a big feature and be able to group it and push it. Then in terms of content, we also are building content collections, which is a way to group these different sorts of content types and relate them in a section that is available to content editors Uh, in terms of providing them permissions to only access that or maybe creating some sort of admin page just for that sort of content so that content editors don't rely solely on the views that they can build based on these filters and that way control the content that they wish to edit. I mean, there are different sorts of UI, elements that are being thought to power these two strategies that are coming out soon. So yeah, I would keep my eye on the change blog and see what's happening. But it is to my understanding that this year we're focusing a lot on the content editor experience.
0: Those two features you just mentioned just made me extremely happy because we're actually going through some things that would really, those two features would be extremely helpful for us because we have two different kinds of document types that function in different places and we would sometimes like to push one to production versus the other one and and with one space and one environment you're pushing everything into production Mm -hmm. being able to separate like you mentioned those campaigns or separate those collections would be amazing so Mm -hmm. looking forward to seeing those come to life in the future hopefully soon
1: yeah me too
0: (laughs) (laughs) cool Well, we're getting pretty close to the end here. I do have a lot more questions, but you know, we can't keep the folks on forever. Explain real quick, what is microcopy and any tips, any best practices?
1: Yeah. So we have documentation on this. So microcopy is a pattern within contentful that we've identified. And you know, within contentful, there's so many different ways to relate content, but something that we saw surfacing in different scenarios was the need to control content that is reused in many different parts of an application, not only content that was reused, but small portions of content that were reused. So the micro part of it means a label or a button name or a form uh, title, things that are uh, microcopy and that are used throughout different parts of uh, solutions and experiences. And implementing a microcopy pattern allows you to basically define that individual pattern. So If it was a form, that would be the form label, and then creating a group called, let's just call it form label list, and then being able to add the different types of of form labels to that microcopy group. So two parts, in terms of the editing experience, content editor goes into Contentful, surfaces the field, the form label group within their views, goes into it, and can edit all of them in there, saves it, publishes it, and it goes out to all the channels, and a developer can query this group throughout the whole experience, whether it's on the homepage or maybe the contact us page or within maybe a web application portion of an experience and always be able to query the form labels and pull that specific one that they want to display and attach it to that form. So we're going back to the publish, create once, publish everywhere, where a label that is saved by a content will ripple through to every sort of component they use instead of having developers duplicate the title all throughout different types of form, if that makes sense.
0: Completely, and also you're putting the power of content to the right people, which are the authors, not the developers, right? They shouldn't be writing even labels, which are simple things. It should be up to the content author because there's many studies that show you change one word and it changes the entire action behind it, right, of what people do.
1: Yep, absolutely. In terms of like control of it so that the content editor can have that power and be able to change it, and you go more towards like the concept of experimentation, right? If you you have a microcopy for a buttons and you have something that says apply now or something else, then you can test that. If it doesn't work or you want to test something else, you change it and you track that so then you have those two variants, but you have one place to change it and ripple it through the whole experience for your end users.
0: Yeah, definitely. And this is interesting because we're kind of going through this. We're, to, we're talking about doing tooltips and I think microcopy, I think it's a perfect example of doing like tooltips. I don't know if you agree with that.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a great example. Tooltips, alerts, you know, maybe some sort of banner to anything anything, system related. yeah.
0: Yeah, I think a couple of things to keep in mind though, and this is what we're going through, is number one is this requires some good synchronization with your developers. That's why having developers when you're building content model is very important because you can't just go and create for example, form.name as your microcopy, and then magically it'll appear on the website, right? They have to know that that's the name, and that name, that field, appears here, right? So there has to be some sort of synchronization. The other one is, and this is something we're going through, is who creates it? So what we decided to do is, we decided because the developers usually start with some sort of design, so they create things, right? So we've decided that through the CM API, whenever they create anything, they would add that new field, or that you microcopy into Contentful with some sort of a value that says you need to update this, right? But it would appear automatically so then that we don't even need to communicate, right? And say, hey, we just created this. Make sure you use this keyword in your code. They created it, it appears on our end. And then the authors knows that oh, with the value, whatever we decided to do, which is like fill this out, right? They go in there and just fill it out. So nobody has to communicate what that keyword is and where it'll appear because it's controlled by the developers through the CM API. Oh, that's really cool. Because the whole point is let's automate this as much as possible and cut communication. Because when you need to communicate so much, that's when things start breaking apart, right? But if you can somehow automate this then it becomes an easier maintenance, I think. But what, What's your thought on that?
1: No, I love it. Yeah, I think it could have different paths, right? You can strategize it together, really define the model together and agree on it and then make it a reality. But as you say, there are different complications when it comes to like the real world and building the application. So I really find it interesting, your example, and I like it. And you know, pointing out that that's a great thing about Contemplate. it allows it, To be manageable, not only through the web interface, but via developers and via API tokens and tapping into the CMA, which is a content management API, and updating the configuration there. That's really cool. Definitely.
0: Cool. Um, Just two more questions. One of them is the media asset type that you have as a field type, right? You have an asset media. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you guys recommend to actually build your own custom content type for media can you give some tips or best practices as to when to use the native media asset versus creating your content type?
1: Sure. This is definitely a popular question with customers. And I like to preface it with a short explanation. So the reason why media in Contentful only has title, description, and a media field is because we're a product that powers content to many different channels, right? It could be a website or a native application. So... It's not absolutely crucial for assets to have an alt because they normally don't power websites. or They do, but it's not the norm. It's not the reality. The reality is that they should power everything. But for cases where we absolutely need to enrich these assets with metadata, we suggest wrapping them in a content type. So creating this media wrapper content type. And let's just say that this scenario, we need to have extensive metadata like an alt tag, and maybe some other sort of ADA compliance metadata, and maybe some other sort of, I won't go into detail, I can't even think about one, (laughs) but any sort of metadata. In this case, then yes, you would create this wrapper, you would add a media reference field to this content type, and then you would also add an alt text, short text field to it, and any other sort of metadata that you have in mind. So in that sense, you're creating these rich media entries, which will allow content editors to Attach an asset from the media library to them, but also enrich them with any other sort of additional information. Yeah, so it just depends on the use case. If you absolutely need that, then we do have the tools for it and you can leverage them out of the box. Definitely.
0: Cool. Final question. And this one is more really geared towards authoring, but it's geared more towards the developers, right? How do you make the content model developer friendly? Because, you know, we all know that we have to make it very friendly for our content authors, so they have a good experience. But what about the developer? That's a very, very important part of the entire system here.
1: Yeah, and I mean, short answer is, we deliver content in JSON, so that's extremely friendly. Like As a developer, former developer, current developer that I am, having data as a key value pair is just so liberating because you can attach it to any sort of front-end or back-end technology. But going more philosophical into that question, you know, it all again. It all depends on your users. If you're building content models, they are meant for highly non-technical people. Then they'll be simple, and developers will have the responsibility to make them rich. They will have to control uh, the layouts of them and and the styling and the complexities of them. If you're building something that is highly technical, then you'll provide them with a lot of this configuration coming from the data, so they will just have to handle it and display it in the manner that they need to. But yeah, it depends on the situation. The good thing, again, is that we're API first. We cater, like developers have been one of our main targets for a long time. We also put a lot of effort into content editors, but we are as an API first solution. So it's quite beneficial for for developers to use our product and we get a lot of positive feedback and positive experience from them.
0: Well, Raul, unfortunately, we're completely out of time. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you, man. This was a great conversation. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I really dug deep into my profession and this product, and I feel like I learned something too. So thank you. Thank you so much. That's
0: awesome. If people want to get a hold of you, how can they do that?
1: I'm on LinkedIn. They can look me up, Raul Solito the guy who works at Contentful. So if they want to shoot me a message, I'm available through there. That's awesome.
0: All right, Raul, thank you so much. And to the rest of you, I'm glad you were here with us. Just a quick reminder to visit www.contentfulcreators.com for more podcast episodes, tutorials, webinars, and blog articles. Until the next episode, I'm your host, Marcelo Lewin. Cheers, everyone.